0: You and I are kind of in agreement that Lenny Bruce is an important figure in American, in American history. I see you've uh, checked in with my work. Of
1: course I have. I do my, 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 my homework, oh, so. Russell. Do, do you have any idea how much joy that it brings me to know that you actually listened to this, something that I said? Because I feel like I talk so much about stuff and I'm like... And not that it's like, oh, anyone should listen to me, but I just think nobody is listening and no one cares. Yeah. And I bang on about... I was thinking about how all of the people I admire are either forgotten or dead (laughs) or both. And I'm like, you know... Yeah, I mean, in a way, yes. Okay, so yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think Lenny Bruce is, like, so important that people don't even, like... It's hard to put it into context. I mean, look, I'm all for not deifying somebody yeah, and I'm not making a sacred cow. Like, I think that's where people get turned off with like Bill Hicks reverence and Lenny Bruce reverence and all that is they're like, you're, they they see it as like, you're saying, don't ever say anything bad about them. Go ahead, man, talk about them all day, man. Say they were hacked, whatever. But I'm just saying like, I don't know. Some things are some some things are just uh, they're not still open for. They don't need any further dissection. There's no reason to go back and reappraise Bill Hicks's career. It already happened. It's it's like you know it's like a uh, um, it, it's like a natural disaster. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. It already made its impact. Yeah. There's no there's no way that you can go back and go should it have made an impact? Well, it already did. Yeah. And like someone like Lenny Bruce is so buried in the culture that I think nobody has taken the time to understand the context. And like, yeah, but when and when you do though, you're just you. It's it's incredible. And like anything else, I think same with Don Rickles, like. What they get known for is not. Mr. Bata- he's Mr. Potato Bata-
0: that's <laughs> a kid. Yeah,
1: he's, he's <laughs> Mr. Potato That's a whole different thing. Yeah. That, I mean, even like with comedy critics, like people will say, it was amazing to me how many. how Don Rickles was just called unPC and racist. He's not. And I was like, that never really even occurred to me. I, I mean, I like to me and to most comedians, it was always like he was. Uh, it was just his style, his expression, yeah. his—it was his whip crack um, delivery. It was his—it was the fact that he didn't write anything and he was so in the moment, and—and and it didn't matter what he was saying. Uh, I mean, we all accept that he was from a different time, but yeah. he's also a New York Jew. Yeah. And I mean that in the sense of like he's a—he's a minority as well. So it was kind of okay for him to pick apart
0: everyone else. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I um, think that he was an equal opportunity defender. And he would roast you, even if you were, no matter what color or race or gender you were, he would find something to make fun make light of. But he wouldn't do it in a mean way. Like, a lot of the roasts that we see today are, the issue I have with them sort of is that they're not... Done and I'm really light hearted, They're not really done as light hearted as Don Rickles would have done it, because he wouldn't just destroy anybody. He'd fight he well he sort of would. I'm kind of yeah, I don't know, I'm gonna argue. Oh, sure. But he would he'd do it in a way that wasn't mean-spirited in my in my eyes anyway. Yeah. He'd do it in a way where he was sort of like confused or confused about why certain people do these
1: kind of things. Yeah, the roasts to me now are kind of like how punk evolved. Where like 70s punk then became 80s hardcore. Yeah. And then 80s hardcore became late 80s thrash metal. Mm. And by the time it was thrash metal, it just lost its fun and it lost its bounce. Mm. So like Don Rickles had panache. He had like style. There was like something about the way he would roast somebody. Whereas now the way they roast people is kind of like... When something becomes like a subgenre of a subgenre, it's just kind of like nasty and like it doesn't offend me at all. It's no. just kind of like a, I don't know. It's like a modern day horror movie yeah. that just tries to do something gross for being gross. Yeah. Whereas like you know something like Halloween or something like that, it was like okay, yeah, it was it was gross, but it was like. I don't, it just wasn't just that. You're like, what if I did this? You know, I don't know, whatever. It's just a bit lame now, and uh, it's, it's, like, it's a bit trite. I don't even think the roasts were ever really good. I've never really watched anybody but Rickles or the Highlights. Mm. I've heard that if you watch the whole thing, they're boring. I, which they probably are. Like, I, I hate that kind of, like, back patting, and like, Milton Berle going on and, like, yeah. talking about, like, it's just... Oh, like, I hate there's something about that era where they all had these fake tans like <laughs> like just look at like uh what's his name jerry lewis mm-hmm. in like the 80s and the and, and the 70s and he just has this like ridiculous. like donald trump doesn't even come close to the glazing that jerry lewis had and they're all and i don't know they're all just going they all have yeah, gold just- rings on and they all have their hair <laughs>
0: slicked it's like oh uh, gross <clears throat> They don't even just get comedians on anymore they get like whoever the well the c rapper or, or c celebrity mm. is who's still trying to regain a little bit of fame but i think my issue is i don't i don't mind roasting as an art form as long as it's sort of done with friends in, in a way yeah but when you see like bruce the bruce willis roast or whoever whoever's getting roasted these days on that comedy central show you can tell they're not his friends like yeah. And I just think, okay, so why are you putting yourself up to this unless there's, uh, I don't want to get too spiritual about it, unless it's like a humiliation ritualistic kind of mm-hmm. ritualistic kind of thing. I don't know, I just think it's a vehicle for people and
1: it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that do it. Just, I just don't find, there's really nothing else other than I don't find it stimulating, mm-hmm. but I forget what it's like to really be a mainstream comedy consumer. I think we get really niche. Yeah. Like, I don't think Lenny Bruce made sense to me even when I started comedy. Lenny Bruce is almost like a Russian novelist. Like, mm-hmm. you have to, like, get into it yeah. before you start to understand it. Yeah. And it's like, you can't really expect that from the public. No. But that's just because, again, he's so varied. Mm. But, again, Lenny Bruce is known for, he would say offensive words, and that's cool. That's one way to, to know him. But there, for me, as a comedian, there's also style there. Yeah. There's just, like style man like he's got this bit called the palladium i probably talked about it before but like it's the most epic piece of comedy like Mm. period ever it's a 20 minute bit about a club comic who tries to play theaters and 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 what happens when he tries to translate his act into a theater Mm. i mean i mean that's that's comedy commenting on Obscure comedy. That's Stuart Lee before Stuart Lee 50 years before Stuart Lee existed. I mean can you even imagine trying to like I Think the hardest thing about doing bits. I don't do bits. It's like establishing the premise. Yeah I mean I try to do you know, I'm working on it, but like establishing the premise dude imagine Sometimes it's so hard to establish the most basic premise for people and we get so annoyed because we're like you don't get this premise imagine trying to establish that premise it's there's a difference, so you're telling an audience, there's a difference between club comics and theater comics and what works in a club in a theater and, and I'm going to establish that premise and now I'm going to do act-outs with characters about it and, and it works? It's fucking crazy! It's and everyone's just
0: like, Lani well, Bruce isn't funny. I are like, okay, fine. <laughs> fine, I guess. I can understand why people say he's not funny to them because we're in different times now. but. You still have to recognize that the dude was fucking important at those times.
1: Yeah, totally. And actually, if you get into it and start to understand more of the <laughs> culture at the time. Yeah, then it's funny. I have started to find him funny, actually. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, you're not going to like throw it on like uh, whatever. Like just, you know, no. like some contemporary album. But no, yeah, I right. I, I'm, I'm into it. Have you seen The Marvelous Mrs. Major? Yeah, have and I happened. like his depiction. It. Oh, it's, I I love it's, The Marvelous Mrs. Major. It's from i like that they're putting him in the they're, they're kind of bringing him they're they're bringing him back yeah he's having a bit of a revival and at first i thought this is going to be horrible but uh the guy who plays
0: him is playing him really well uh, all really right it's good it's almost for me like Lenny bruce has taken over this the, the spirit of lenny bruce has taken over this poor actor and this is how it is yeah yeah and i'm interested to see how they how they deal with
1: the later parts of his career, Mm. you know, which he got like criticized for, for being like, um, he just gets real self-indulgent and he gets into like heroin and stuff, but I find the self-indulgent years even more fascinating. Yeah. You know, there's like a 45 minute video of him on stage online where he basically also filmed the first comedy special. You know, there's a a black and white video of him on, on YouTube it's called the lenny Bruce performance film and it's in that era where he's got he would just go on and talk about his court case in the newspaper and it's really interesting to me that like a lot of people are turned off by that Hmm. a lot of people like hate that like they're like oh that's so and i'm like he was talking about specific events in his life whereas a lot of other people go oh that's so boring he was talking about his court case and i'm like Well, to me, that utterly precedes Richard Pryor, who would talk about specific events in his life, not just like, you know, I mean like, nobody can do a Richard Pryor bit because some of his bits are about how he got arrested in the news. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. I just don't really get certain, I know a lot of good comedians who like just shut things off. They go, they just write certain things off. I just always like wonder what it's like to, is that a defense mechanism? Like they just can't? I don't know. But maybe I worship people
0: too much. I think maybe it's because they don't want to be seen as the next Richard. P- well, the they don't want. To, they maybe don't want audiences to see them as maybe the next Richard Pryor or the next Lenny Bruce or the next one or whatever else. They just want to be known yeah. as themselves. Yeah. That if yeah. That makes I'm any right. sense. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So what place got you started, Pony, man? What got me started? Um,
1: I don't know, I just, it was, on, it was uh, New Year's Eve and uh, or it was like coming upon the new year and I just was at a point in my life, I was like 26 and I just wanted to make sure that I was doing, I just had this idea that I wanted to make sure that I was at least doing all the things that I wanted to do so I have no regrets. So I thought, alright, you're 26, you're still pretty young, try, what are, what are the like three or four things that you'd like to do in this life? As potential, so that when you're 50, you don't go, oh, I should have tried to be a writer, or I should have tried to do whatever. And I just was like, I think it was writing a novel, it'd be a novelist. It was um, uh, stand up, and then maybe there was like one other thing I forget what it was. So I was like, okay, I'll start writing every day and whatever. And then I just, I just went to an open mic. Okay. And good. that was it, man. And then it was like, I think I went, I did stand up once, and then I didn't do it again for like two weeks. And I thought, okay, I'll just like do it once in a while. And then I went, that's uh, everything I read at the time was like you have to do it like every day. And I just, mm-hmm. okay, fuck it. Like there's no way I can do something and not try to be really good at it. So yeah. that was it, man. I just went off and running.
0: Sweet. Where did you start? Was it in America? Where San Diego, California. Oh, was last Okay, sweet. Um, what's the differences between the comedy scene in San Diego, or oh, actually no, fuck that. What's the difference between the comedy scene 10 years ago to what it is now? I was really lucky in the sense that I got to start
1: right as this technological shift happened. Mm. Like I remember listening to podcasts when you would access it through your computer, Mm. and I don't think it was long enough ago that I don't. I'm like, what are these kids into today? (laughs) Like that's what annoys me. People are like, you're old, and it's like. I have every... I grew up with every single thing you have right now. Yeah. You're like, you're you just have a better version of it. Like, my my brother's kids are super into, like, Nintendo uh, Switch. I'm like, yeah, I had all that. Yeah. I grew up with Mario Kart. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you have a better... I know all this. I can do all the lingo, you know? Yeah. I had YouTube. I had podcasts. And it was only 10 years ago. But I think the good thing... Oh, what the
0: fuck is going on over there? It's, it's, I think that's what comes a show.
1: <laughs> no, I think there's a... You know what that is? That's the backstage, probably, to um, School of Rock. Is it? Probably. Okay. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, so YouTube was, like, that was, in the first two years I started, that was the beginning of people going viral. Yeah. Uh, It was the beginning of this sort of, like, the shift from, like, everything has to be online. Yeah. Uh, So I was, I, I got to, like, see, you know, like, I remember Mark Maron's podcast was, like, in its infancy. Mm. and uh, It was just cool, man. It was a great time to start. It was like, wow, we had, still, we had all this stuff.
0: Mm. It was like I started right with that big, big shift. And you were like, well, you started like towards the end of the Bush administration to the Bush administration as well. So that yeah, was...
1: so before I started stand-up, I got to listen to all this really, gr- I was just a fan. Yeah. And I was in bands and stuff, and I got to hear all that great Bush era stuff. like Patton Oswald, David Cross. Mm. All of these great albums and stand up that came out of that. That, that was that was excellent. Man. That the whole like alternative good.
0: boom. Mm. So what do you think is the key difference between stand up in the US and stand up in the UK? Because I know that I've heard I've heard many different things, like maybe we like well, we like storytelling or we're just jokes or Yeah. I don't know, man, it was probably a lot different now than it
1: is now. I think there's like because of the internet, there's so much like, US influence permeates. And I think if you go to the more old school comedy clubs, they still have this like, residual attitude, yeah. where like, they see it as more of a difference. Mm. And they love telling you stories about, you know, we're in the green room in this American, they always paint the American comic like, <laughs> he came into the green room, like he kicks the door and sits down and is like, hey, what's the fucking deal at this club, you know? I was on a evening at the improv and then they always tell a story where like he goes on and two minutes into his set he goes don't you people know who I am <laughs> and it's like yeah okay I'm sure that happened yeah. maybe but I mean I'm sure that guy was the same dick that he would be if he showed up now mm-hmm. but like now when you show up British comedians are more like oh cool man like yeah right on you're from America and like uh, they'll, they'll, they'll want to talk about." Bill Burr or like Aziz Ansari or some of these cool comedians like back in America and like yeah there's more of that so uh, but uh, I think just being a working comic I think it's just the geography of the the nation suits it because you get paid probably the same amount of money in America but it's just it doesn't stretch as far whereas it stretches farther over here I feel like there's more of a you guys are really good at patronizing the arts, I feel like. I mean, of course everywhere could be better, but you sort of like support the, the um, what do you call it? You know, The, the awesome. troubadours. You have a troubadour tradition where people travel around and perform a show for you. And you go into these little villages. And they're like, okay, and yeah, it's just a train ride away, but it's like you've come from somewhere else. Like, here we go. Like, all right, I was doing like a pub last night. And it's like, you're just in this little space mm. doing your little show. It's great. And uh, yeah, man, I just think that there's there's more of that, you know, like buskers. Mm. We don't have buskers in America. Really? No, I don't think it's in our culture. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just dancing maybe in New York we have them in the areas that are more like London like mm-hmm. New York not really Los Angeles people don't even bother
0: mm-hmm.
1: they just rob you <laughs> <laughs> They're like no one's gonna dance uh, you know but like and I think Americans are less likely to throw money at someone for just doing a little playing a song whereas here it's like you can be batshit crazy and not be neglected by society. Because people who busk in America would have to get real jobs.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's why those people probably end up shooting the office up. Because you've got these crazy people working in an office who just like, "Ah." you know, that guy doesn't belong in an office. He should be juggling chainsaws in the middle of Covent Garden. Fuck yeah. And so here, that you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to find your place. You're allowed to be like, look, man, I'm fucking nuts. I mean, I'm a crazy guy. What can I do? Well, yeah. dude, you can fucking juggle chainsaws, okay? okay. And then they make living like that. Yeah. It's great.
0: And it keeps uh, them fucking keeps them sane. Ish. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking, I've never That's what I to mean,
1: dude. It's like a way for them to ex- express that. It, it keeps them from, dude. I used to work with people who were just insane. And they just get grinded down, and, and you're just like, dude, like...
0: Go and do something expressive. You know, you're
1: just like sitting there all pissed off in the office, and it's like, yeah, but some of them aren't... You know, they, they might not be able to do stand-up, mm-hmm. they might not be able to act, but there you go. It's like, it's just another way that, that, that this nation patronizes people, I think, which is good.
0: I've never ever looked at it that way, thank you, that's actually... Open my mind a little. my mind a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I've I always <laughs> saw it that way. I was like, that's why you get a lot of American comics who, or you get a lot of people who end up over here, uh, because it's like, you, it's I don't know. It's just a very Europe in general
0: is more accepting. I guess it's more like it's the opposite. As I think a lot of people would argue that we're not that accepting. Well if you go a little deeper than them they're not that accepting but I think I think, because you're able to look at it from an outside a semi outsiders perspective and you're coming from a bit, you're coming from a different culture where it probably is a little bit where probably is a little bit more exclusionary if that's a word. Yeah. Like I think you put it yeah, I I agree with you. Okay. No, right? yeah, well, okay. I, don't know. <laughs> I think British people are
1: pretty resilient too. Yeah. Like it's it's funny to me like how like people in this country are really funny. Like if something goes absolutely tits up, like there will be like there will be like a a joke about it Mm. on Twitter or a hashtag like instantly. Yeah. And it'll be clever and it'll be funny. And I just think like this nation has a real tradition of reveling in something going absolutely tits up and almost like raising the person who who made the mistake. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, like, it's beautiful. So there's less fear. There's less judgment, I feel like. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's also like, you guys have like a culture where nobody really, I don't really see any culture of like, oh, you got really drunk last night. That was, that was not on it. No. It's like perfectly accepted. We celebrate It's it. like, well, you were drunk.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's a big safe
1: zone for alcoholics.
0: It is. Um, that's, that's British slash, I, I think that's maybe the, more the Irish cult, the Irish influence. Yeah. On, on our culture, because we do, we embrace it, whether it is, still, well, we, we embrace a lot of shit, right, to be fair. We embrace a lot of things, and, um, yeah so yeah that's the end of part one and holy shit he's fascinating isn't he um so yeah tune it well click up to part two to hear more from myself and the wonderful russell hicks see you there